From the Mitchell Center to Coleman Coliseum, the Bartow and Trojan Arenas. From Veterans Memorial Stadium to Legion Field to Hancock-Whitney Stadium. With a combined 75 years of experience in the sports radio world, these guys have spent their professional lives roaming the stadiums and arenas that host your favorite teams. And now, they invite you to join them inside the press box. Get ready for Chris Stewart. Throws it out. Norris left alone. Corner three, five. Red, smoking, hot. J.D. Byers. Three-step drop, steps up, looks, swatted down, set! Down he goes! Mike Grace. Curveball right back up the middle. They'll wave out and around third base, slides in, and the dogs have won it! And the broadcasters, journalists, coaches, and game changers making today's news. They're all here, inside the press box welcome to the press box podcast for my partners chris stewart and jd byers i'm mike grace what you're about to hear is just a slice of our press box radio show heard on great stations across alabama and online 24 7 at pressboxradio.com the show is our way of sharing with you the access we enjoy to a group of friends and colleagues who, like us, have the honor of working with and around the teams and the sports we all love. Our guest today, John Sunbold, a former All-American basketball player at Missouri, went on to be a first-round pick in the NBA, spent nine years in the league, and is now a very successful ESPN college basketball analyst. Now, he's done a lot of other things as well, and our own Chris Stewart had the first question for John Sunvold. To me, the greatest addition to expansion of the Southeastern Conference is getting John Sunbold in. No disrespect well, to your alma mater, but having you in the fold is the best thing that's that's happened, John Sunvold. Good to talk to you. Well, Chris, hey, good morning to all three of you guys, and uh, that's very kind to say. I, I don't know if anybody follows that anywhere else, but, uh, hey, we'll go with that this morning. How about that? We, we've got the consensus here. Let's uh, let's just go with that. You're as involved as anybody in, in this league when it comes to your school, and we talk about being fans and alums. You're actually on the board of board of regents, I think it's called at Mizzou, or board of trustees is the the equivalent at Alabama. I know. Yeah, it's uh, the board of curators, which I'm actually I'm now off. Uh, I've been Good off. You. The, the timing the timing was perfect. I was uh, chairman of the board. Up until, let's see, I was uh, done, my assignment was done February of 2020. So right prior to COVID, oh, uh, I was off. <laughs> so sometimes, man. Chris, my timing is uh, impeccable. And so, yeah, I, I, was, I was done with, it. they are six-year terms. Uh, different schools or universities do them differently. So, yeah, I was on the board, and the final year I was uh, the chairman of the board, which I'll be honest, um, I knew very little about anything of a university outside of me going to school when I was a kid and playing hoops, but uh, you learn a whole lot about higher education and the direction of where universities are going and land-grant institutions and all those things, but yeah, I, I was happy to serve my time and then to be done, and uh, I would say I, I run a business, uh, in a financial business, and when you broadcast it seemed like I was uh, running out of time in the day when uh, all those things put together. So I, I was happy to be done a year ago, and uh, it freshened me up to do a few more games this season. 
Let me ask you from the, the Mizzou standpoint, what has joining the SEC done for the school? Uh, pro and con. John, because you and I have had some discussions about this in, in you know, hospitality rooms and things like that, that it probably wasn't the, the ideal fit when it occurred for either school. I know there were hopes of the Big Ten uh, initially for Mizzou, and, and the SEC probably had other, other thoughts, but it wound up that's, that's the marriage that was made. How has that in your mind worked for your alma mater? So I think the pros, obviously, uh, when it all went down and happened, uh, the Big 12, you know, the Big 12's footing is in, in at the University of Texas. I mean, they kind of run the show. And so from a security standpoint, I think schools, when you've got a league and Colorado and Nebraska leave and Missouri and A&M leave, then that league was kind of on thin ice, maybe. Yeah. So when, when you when you look at Missouri going to the SEC, the SEC is the best conference in America as far as you know the, the sporting world goes. And the athletic director at the time, Mike Alden, you know he, he was the one that really uh, catapulted in along with Gary Pinkle to say, "Hey, let's go be in the best league." I mean, it's the best in football, and the best in baseball and softball, and we know what basketball is now doing. So that's the positive. Uh, obviously financially and all the, and the security issue. Maybe the cons would be the fact that your older uh, fan base, um, and it's going to still take a long time, the younger fan base will now know rivalries, and it may be a Tennessee or Arkansas, whatever those rivalries develop. But the older fan base, today you could in basketball schedule Kansas State or Iowa State or any of those, and, and older people would come to that game thinking, okay, this is what we used to have. Uh, there will never be a rivalry for Missouri like Kansas is because that's, that, goes, that dates back to the Civil War. Um, so I think that's the only negative is that maybe historically you lose you know, some of your history of whatever great events and great things that went on, great players, et cetera. But I think then you build a new tradition and you build, um, I think the main reason Missouri was included for the SEC was basketball. Uh, the timing probably wasn't great. The basketball program was semi-average uh, compared to maybe the 80s and the 90s when they had great teams. But, you know, Conzo Martin's got a great team this year. And, and when, when, as you guys know, when you win in certain sports, uh, everything changes and perception changes around your league and perception changes with your fan base. So, yeah, there's some pros and cons, but, you know, Chris, most of the time it's pros. I mean, I think the, yeah. I think the fan base of the University of Missouri is excited to be part of the SEC, and they know in football when you compete in the East, uh, Missouri won the first two years in the East, but to compete year in, year out is going to be tough. And then basketball, if Conzo can continue to build what he's building, uh, Missouri could be one of the top three or four teams or programs in this league. I think that's one thing probably over time they're going to have to figure out, though, John, is the fact that they are in the East. And geographically, that, that's where you had to go because that's the spot that was open. But if it's really going to be maybe what it fully could be, uh, geographically, they gotta, they got to find a way to get you over to the, the West and, and whatever that means if it's somebody else trading and going over or or expansion or what have you but uh, that's going to be tough isn't it yeah well what will be tough is if you if you if you go now to missouri and if the football coach is sitting there eli drinkwitz and the athletic director 
and they're saying, what do you think about Missouri going to the West? And you look down and you say, well, wait a second, Alabama, Auburn, LSU. Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, obviously it it makes more sense to be in the West, but I think from a football sense, uh, I think so far they've been happy to be in the East. And, and again, I don't know where that will either continue or not. And I've always thought, really I thought 10 years ago or longer, that there will be four power conference leagues with 16 teams now does that will that happen i don't i just think that seems to make the most sense and which two schools would the sec where does the footprint that sec wants do they want to go north uh do they want to go football oriented and go to oklahoma and pick those two schools i mean that's going to be probably the thing that down the road you look you look for and you say okay which of these four conferences will be there and they'll all have 16 teams John Sunbold is our, our guest, TV college basketball analyst. Phenomenal job. I want to ask you something because we've had several broadcasters, play-by-play and color analysts, who have been doing remote broadcasts because with you know safety and COVID, uh, limited capacity, broadcasters needed to do what they can do to stay away. We haven't asked this question of any of them. When they come in to set up to do a remote broadcast your side from your home, if you could take us behind the curtain, I, I just think it's kind of intriguing to see you guys do your job from your actual home. Yeah, JD, good question. So, uh, no, there's no, it's not invasive. Nobody's there. Um, when they decided to do this, and I wasn't one of the first guinea pigs because they'd already done it in some football and they did in baseball, but they they send you all the stuff. You know, here's the here's the tripods and here's a. So the, the reality is, I have. They send an Apple MacBook Pro and they send you a monitor. It's almost a Zoom broadcast where, you know, for instance, tomorrow I've got Arkansas game. I'll have Dave Neal in a box because I'm working with him. And one of our statisticians, whomever it is, will be in a a box. I can see him. He might be in Birmingham or he could be in Idaho or wherever. You know, the thing was they sent everything in these boxes and you started to unpack it. They gave you great instructions, but the best instructions was, hey, we're going to have you call this gentleman from, Bristol, Connecticut, and then you two are going to get on and how to set this up. Um, the guy who helped me the most obviously was located in Idaho. So once, once you find a room in your house that you think can work, uh, then you've got to make sure you have the power from your uh, internet company. Uh, they want you hardwired to your, you know, your box. Um, you may have to upgrade. The biggest key is not so much, you know, a lot of people have enough, download power because of you know you may do netflix and you do games etc it's the upload power that your mouth and the camera even though you're only on 30 seconds has to make sense so most of us you probably had to upgrade at least for these months you're on tv so you find a room uh you you turn it on and don't move it now let me let me go one more step if you're someone like me and my wife back in the fall we thought maybe we should take a uh pre-retirement kind of an idea that could we ever leave Columbia, Missouri for a month or two and go somewhere. So we are currently, I am in the panhandle of Florida at watercolor 30 a Santa Rosa beach. So tomorrow is, well, I have a game Sunday too, and then I'll go home Monday, but we've been here three weeks. So after a game on Saturday, right before the really, really bad weather hit, not only Missouri, but Mississippi, we were just a few hours ahead of it driving through Mississippi. Uh, three weeks ago. So I got to a rented house down here and spent a day 
hooking everything up, making and, and then called my guy that works for ESPN in Idaho, and we spent hours of making sure here's the camera, where's it go, and they're small cameras, the tripod, how high, how low, what's your background going to be. So yeah, you just you know you plug it in and you hope you hope knock on wood that on the other end that everybody who's making the adjustments for you get it right. Uh, we turn on our stuff six hours before the game so that Bristol Connecticut can check it. Uh, we just flip us, you know, we just hook it, turn it on. Uh, three hours before the game, we all get on our headsets to make sure. Uh, and usually sometimes that takes a while just because of maybe there's some echo, maybe there's some, you know, things you don't, not hearing right. Um, you get on three hours before and I can talk to again, Tom Hart or Dave Neal, whoever I'm working with and the producer from the local school. You get it all set and then you kind of come back together about 45 minutes before the game and make sure you're on the same page about what you're going to broadcast. So uh, I'll be honest, it's not the same as being in the arena, but for a guy like me that's done a lot of traveling and out of Columbia, Missouri is not the easiest to travel out of. Um, it's been, it's been terrific. And I don't know, I don't know why they would go back unless it's big games, but we'll see. I mean, maybe coaches will demand that broadcasters be there or not, but for the most part early in the season, November, December, we were never on TV. And I, nobody knew that we were in our basement or whatever room. I mean, people thought I did a game in LSU back in maybe December, early December. And a buddy of mine in Baton Rouge, I'm on the air, you know, at six o'clock game. And second time out, he texts me and goes, hey, I didn't know you're in town. Let's go grab something to eat. And I said, well, actually I'm sitting in my basement. Um, and I'm going to grab something to eat upstairs when I'm done. Yeah, but you better hurry. I'll fix you a sandwich. Uh, Talking to John Sunvold, ESPN, SEC Network. uh, Look, I I follow them very closely, as you know, but I'll admit even I'm surprised at just how good uh, Alabama has been. And and I, I thought they could contend for a league title. I didn't think they'd have it wrapped up with a week and a half to go. So I, I just want your observation as somebody who's who's followed this league for a number of years now, what Nate's been able to do in just two years at the helm. Yeah, Nate, it, it's it's been fabulous uh, to see the transformation of not only the style. Of, I mean, the style of play is the style of play. They, they you know, they run at a good pace and they make we, we know that they take threes and or layups. But really, it's the defensive end. Um, there's a lot of talent in this league. There's a lot of teams that have a lot of bodies that can do a lot of things. Uh, you know, I think of LSU, they're, they're a great team, but, but they don't quite get it done defensively. You know, Nate's team, they get it done defensively. They, they've won some tug of war, some battles when they don't shoot well. And for the most part, shooting is a tough thing as the season goes on. You're going to have stretches where they're, they're great, where you shoot it great, like uh, Alabama did in January for about a two and a half week period. They were unbeatable. And then there's going to be games you don't. And they're kind of those knockdown, dragout games that they've been able to win. The only, you know, the only concern, there was a couple games, and these I think are NCAA-type games. When they went to Oklahoma, uh, more of a, you know, Oklahoma's not over-physical, but, but they were physical, and they rebound, and they, they're well-coached. And then when they went to Missouri, <clears throat> Missouri, same kind of type of game. And, and those, to me, are NCAA-type games, possession by possession. But I think when Alabama gets to the tournament, uh, you know, the key is, you know, don't turn it over and keep doing what they're doing. But really on the defensive end, it's been impressive. Uh, it's not an easy league. Yeah, the league's been up and down with different teams. But I do think there's some teams in this league uh, 
uh, Alabama, Arkansas. Uh, even though it's my alma mater, for some reason, when Missouri plays like they can play, they're, they're the only team that's beaten all the top teams in this league. Uh, and they've knocked off an Illinois. They're another team that can could have a lot of success in the tournament. Um, the, the one that's probably maybe we scratch our head about is Tennessee. Uh, you know, I saw Tennessee the very first game of the SEC. I did it with Tom Hart was uh, the Missouri game. And Tennessee looked like a Final Four team. And now you look at them and you can't quite tell what you're going to get. So that would, that would maybe be a question mark. But I put Alabama in there. There's not going to, they're, they're going to have, they're going to be a matchup nightmare for a lot of schools. And everybody will ask me, well, what do you think of how far a team will go? You know what? I think it depends on what the bracket looks like. Who's in front of you? Uh, who loses in front of you? Who wins in front of you? What's that matchup like? But, you know, a team like Alabama matches with anybody. As long as they're physical enough and they rebound the basketball, uh, I think they've got a great shot to do some neat things. Last thing, I've only got about two minutes with you. Fifteen years ago, before Nick Saban arrived, people would say, well, the SEC needs for Alabama to be good. Now that Alabama's in the spot they're in, people are saying Alabama's not good for college football. It's too good. Does it matter in terms of the reputation of the SEC this year that Kentucky is what Kentucky is? Uh, Chris, great question. And, and, and I'm going to say I think it does matter. Uh, when I was in the Big 12 and doing Big 12 games, I always thought what Kansas did better than anything uh, around was they carried the banner at the start of the year, like when they would play Duke or Michigan. And, and Bill Self, Kansas would win a lot of games of those murky games. And I thought, okay, that would stamp, and it still does to this day, it stamps the Big 12 as a basketball league because their top team is carrying the banner and all of a sudden that brings up, you know, Baylor and although everybody from the outside goes, well, that league must be great. Look at all those schools. Because, you know, you know, when you get in league play, Kansas is going to lose one or two, even though for a long time they won every league championship up maybe until this year, last year. But I think when Kentucky's good, nationally great, uh, until unless or until another school does it on a four or five year basis. Um, you still want that banner to be carried in the powerhouse games early in the season. And, and those things, I think, to me matter because when, that, when Kentucky's great, you know when they get in the league, they're going to get knocked off three or four times, and those three or four losses are humongous for those teams that knock them off. Uh, when you have a year where Kentucky's not very good like this year, Alabama's perceived from the outside, and I can say this because I live in the Midwest, Alabama's perceived as, oh, okay, Kentucky's down, but so the league just must be average. So to combat that, we have to have Alabama, Arkansas, Missouri, Tennessee, Florida uh, get in this NCAA tournament. And let's say let's get four teams in the, in, in the Sweet 16, right? right. Let's, get, yeah. let's get four to that second weekend and maybe two to the Elite Eight and maybe get a Final Four. It's a, it's a great point that you make that 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 the observation from the outside changes when your uh, you know your big school doesn't quite have the year they should have. He knows college basketball inside and out. John Sunbold, our guest here on the Press Box Podcast. Catch our daily show weekdays on great stations around the state of Alabama and online twenty four seven at pressboxradio.com. 
can find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at Pressbox Radio 1. That's Pressbox Radio and the number one. And of course, we always would love to hear from you. Email us at PressBoxRadio1 at gmail.com. Again, PressBoxRadio, the number one, at gmail.com. For Chris Stewart, for J.D. Byers, I'm Mike Gray saying thanks for joining us here on the PressBox Podcast.